Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Thank you for joining us this week. We are going to finish our COVID series. And today we are going to talk about how COVID-19, the pandemic, and how this is affecting our animals and our connection to them. That's an important thing. How is this affecting your relationships? So we're going to, I guess, just dive right in. So in your research, Miranda, what have you seen how this pandemic has been affecting animals and the relationships with the animals? What have you noticed? Well, one of the things is that there's definitely been a huge increase in the adoptions of animals as well as purchases of animals from, mm-hmm. from different locations. And there seems to be a multitude of reasons for this. But this is having, having partially a positive effect on the animals and the humans, but it also has high potential of having a negative effect as well. Ooh, okay. I think it's important for people to, to understand what these repercussions could be. Okay, so let's start with the benefits. We'll start off with a, a little more of a positive note. So what are the benefits of acquiring an animal during this time? Well, these are benefits that are not necessarily solely because of the pandemic. These are benefits that pets provide in general. But a lot of people may feel some loneliness. So pets have this ability to reduce feelings of loneliness and increase the feelings of happiness. And I think most people have basically know this. That's one of the reasons why they choose to get an animal. Oh, yeah. They make you really happy. Yes. (laughs) Animals can make you really happy. (laughs) Yeah. Who can't help having a a smiling face when a dog is running to you, wagging its tail, is all excited to see you, or a cat is in your lap purring and just. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Magic. Remember what we said last week? They're magic. (laughs) I'm telling you, they're magic. All right. So what are some of the other benefits? So they can really improve your mental health. They can help to reduce fears. They can help to reduce depression and anxiety. So I know that I've heard with depression in particular, that people who are suffering from a severe form of this, that they might not even want to get out of bed and face the world, face the day. And having an animal gives them that motivation. It's like, oh, I have somebody else to take care of. It's like, I need to at least get out of bed and give them some food and maybe take them for a walk or, you know, depending on the type of pet they have. So it can really help with that. And that might actually be able to move them into the healing that they might need. I agree. And I think it just helps people to just be able to at least survive in the world, even if, if the, even if it's not quite to the point of thriving, at least it helps them to survive and, and get through their days. Yeah, animals have such an incredible way to help our emotional state, mm-hmm. just in general. 
I mean, even if you're not depressed, even if you're not having feelings of anxiety, just having an animal around you, it just makes things feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Magic. I'm just going to keep saying it. They're magic. (laughs) Okay. What else? They can provide a tremendous amount of affection and companionship. And for those of you who consider your animals to be like children or your fur babies or whatever term you choose to use, you really can understand this aspect of it. Animals will often return the care and affection that we give to them. And sometimes they'll provide it even if it's not necessarily warranted. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They just are unconditional. If you give them a home, a roof and food, you're their family. That's what they do. They just automatically adopt you into their family. Mm -hmm. Something to keep in mind. Yes. Now, these next two benefits are more connected to this pandemic. Okay. One of the benefits is that there are many dogs, many cats who have been able to find a new home that otherwise would have still ended up being in a shelter. So that has been a great thing. The shelters, the humane societies, they are so thrilled that they were actually able to empty out their... Population selection? <laughs> <They're>, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you call them? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I've heard that, that there are shelters that they haven't had to do the obligatory euthanasia because they weren't overloaded. Mm-hmm. They actually were having some places. I'm sure there were other places that did get overloaded, but there were some places that actually had a waiting list for new animals yes. to adopt out, which is pretty cool. And that makes me happy that animals found homes. Mm-hmm. I think there is still a waiting list, particularly for dogs. Cats, I'm not as sure about right now, and we'll go get into that in a little bit here. But yes, there does seem to be a waiting list for, for the dogs. Now there's some issues with that, which I'll also go into a little bit later. Mm -hmm. The next benefit is because a lot of people are spending more time at home because they're either working at home from home or maybe they're not able to work. They have all this extra time to be able to spend with their, their new pet, their new animal. And this has allowed for more bonding time, more being able to strengthen that relationship between you and your animal. It also gives you more time to be able to work with them on training so you can have less behavior issues. Mm, Good point. Yeah, I can see a lot of animals, you know, we're bored because we're home all the time and we can put the energy into the training. And there's probably some dogs out there that have got some pretty nifty tricks now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I can tell you, The one thing, I mean, my cats will be two years old this year, July, 2021. And we got them in September of 2019. And having this year of being with them all the time. Oh my goodness. It's been, it's done wonders for the relationship between us and the animals. I mean, we literally are a family. It's just me, my husband, and the two cats. We have so much fun together. And we have a lot of enrichment and the cats are just, they just 
turned out to be such well-behaved, loving, happy animals. And I don't know if that would have been at the level that it is now if we weren't home all the time. Mm -hmm. I think us being home and being able to spend the time with them is what created that bonding, that created that family feel. I mean, the all four of us will be like all hanging out in the living room together. We're a unit. We're not, they don't go off and do their own thing. We're a unit. And I think that's because we've had that time with them this year, mm-hmm. this past year. It was, it's been quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful. Yeah. And as many as challenges as there has been during this time, there's also been a lot of blessings. And being able to develop this connection, this bonding with, with our animals has definitely been one of those blessings. Oh, yeah. The cats were probably were like, why are you home all the time? Huh? 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 You're in my space now. But now they're like, oh, okay. You can hang. You can hang. You can stay with me. <laughs> I will. I am going to add to that, though, that if you have a cat that you had prior to the pandemic and it was never a really social cat to begin with. And then you started to try to give it more physical attention because you were home more, that could cause an issue. So you also got to be mindful of the personality of the animal and also not try to force yourself on them just because you are with them more. You need to yeah, I figure agree. out that balance. I agree. <laughs> You know, one of my friends, she says, you know, you're in their bubble, you're in their bubble. Animals do have to have, they like to have their space. And we've talked about this, you know, episodes ago, that animals do like to have their space and we need to allow that, but we also don't need to let, say, cats do their own thing because that's just not a thing. That's not real. They just like to have their space. So knowing the responses that the animal gives you, if you get into their bubble, If they're pulling themselves away, then, you know, you've got to back yourself out of their bubble and let them come to you. And I think that's that mutual respect. Mm -hmm. It's like if you were with a whole bunch of people in your house, hopefully you're not. But if you had a lot of humans around you, you would not be entering their bubbles all of the time without their permission. Mm -hmm. You would respect their space. You need to respect the space of your animals, too. Most animals will be like, oh, yeah, I don't have a bubble. I took it right down for you right now. But then sometimes they put that bubble up and you need to respect that bubble. Mm-hmm. It's a great visual. My friend said it last this past week, and I'm like, I like that. Mm-hmm. And the size of the bubbles can vary. <laughs> yes, yes. But always respect the bubble. Yes. <laughs> uh, respect the bubble, but because they are their own person. Really? I mean, they may be animals, but, you know, air quotes, person, they're their own person. They have their own free will and you shouldn't force them to do things that make them uncomfortable. So just respect them, respect their bubbles and they will respect you and give you the love that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are other things that have happened. We have benefits of acquiring a pet. Mm -hmm. So now there's a lot of people running to shelters and adopting cats, dogs, So what are some of the reasons why this is happening? I mean, we kind of know common sense wise, why there's some reasons, but I Mm -hmm. think we should go over, you know, just be a little bit more detailed about what are the reasons why people are running out and adopting and purchasing animals? Well, we kind of mentioned this as one of the benefits, but one of the reasons again is because people have felt a surge of loneliness through this isolation. And 
they're not being able to visit their friends or their family as easily as they had been in prior. And they desperately want this companionship and connection. They want somebody they can talk to, somebody they can actually interact with, not just over Zoom or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something physical. Something physical right there. Yes. (laughs) Another reason is that they feel like they have more time to spend with the animal because they're home more due to the work situation. And they didn't want to get an animal beforehand because of their work hours and felt like they would be leaving the animal alone for too long, which those people who have considered that kudos to you, because that is definitely one consideration you should be taking before getting an animal. Love it. Love it. Bravo, people. (laughs) (laughs) Clapping. Good for you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but now it's like some of these companies that have people work from home. Now these companies are changing their home model and allowing that opportunity for people to work from home. So we may see a lot more people connecting with their animals and adopting animals to have that connection. And and we can save on how many animals get euthanized every year. Right. Yeah, hopefully we can only hope. Fingers crossed. That'll be awesome if uh, there ends up being a transition in that that way in the workforce. Yeah. Giving people an option. Another reason why there is an increase in adoptions and sales is because they might have children who are not going to school. And apparently, I guess it depends on where it is you live in the world. Some schools are still not allowing children to go and other places are giving the parents the choice of whether the children go to school or not. Mm -hmm. So those who are being kept at home and being homeschooled in that, especially if both parents are working from home, they're not going to have as much time to keep their kids engaged and interested and all that type of thing. So they might consider getting an animal in order to help keep them occupied and keep them out of trouble and maybe also help teach them more of a sense of responsibility. I would see that being a very important part of some of the homeschooling that parents are doing. There's a lot of like unschooling going on and allowing the opportunity to responsibly and supervised responsibility training with your kids and the animals can really help them with life skills as they get older. Mm-hmm. It shows empathy. It helps with responsibility. It helps with, you know, duty or providing for the family or, or doing something for something else is a really great addition to a lot of the unschooling going on. And I say unschooling in quotes that a lot of people are doing with their kids being at home. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, I mean, I would do that if I had, if I had kids and I was homeschooling, I would definitely have that part of the homeschooling curriculum is the whole responsibility and empathy training. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it even can help with their, their mental health with kids, not going to school. One of the, the challenges that can happen with that is that they're not getting to engage with their peers and learning how to interact with them in appropriate ways and all the other things that come together with interacting with your peers. So having an animal can also help improve your self-esteem, 
your confidence and, and different things like that. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. We tend to focus more on the, the cats and the dogs, but there probably are other animals that are also getting adopted or purchased as a result. Maybe if they aren't able to get one of the other types of animals, then they might make choices to do something else. But some people just also just want to have something small. They don't want an animal that's going to be running around a lot and stuff. So I've heard of a lot of people getting rabbits. That could be, yeah. Now, all of this is great in that this increase in adoptions and purchases, we can see a strong benefit for the humans and to some extent some extent for the animals because they're finding new homes which we're hoping yeah. is their forever homes hopefully hopefully <laughs> <laughs> but there is other effects that are happening as a result of this or potential effects that could be happening what are some of the other things that we may not be seeing so one thing is that people who are adopting these animals because of this situation that we're in. Mm -hmm. Once the situation kind of goes back to, I'm going to say the new normal, because we're probably never going back to a normal, that normal that we knew before. Yeah. <laughs> Our new normal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Once people get vaccinated and, you know, recreate. Yeah. Our new normal. Yes. <laughs> You know, what is going to happen to these animals? I know a lot of uh, rescue shelters, humane societies, they're very concerned that a lot of these animals are going to get surrendered because... Oh, no. <laughs> Don't do that, people. <laughs> Keep your animals. Keep them. <laughs> because they're, they're worried that people are going to maybe go back to work if they're not able to work, continue working from home, that they're not going to be home as much and not be able to spend as much time. So they find that the animal doesn't fit their lifestyle. This is definitely a, a huge worry for them. A second thing is that because of this waiting list for cats and dogs, or maybe it's just dogs now, but this waiting list is causing people to go and buy animals from all kinds of different places. A lot of these places are not necessarily reputable. So it's causing these so-called breeders, which are probably more along the lines of puppy mills. Yeah. And oh. uh, <laughs> they're trying to keep up with the demand of these animals that they want. Therefore, the animal's welfare is not being taken into consideration. They're not being given the proper care that they need. They're probably not being bred properly either. So we don't know what kind of conditions they're living in, what kind. Yeah, they're probably they're cutting corners. Yeah. So there's a lot of concerns with that. And you really need to, I mean, it's probably a little late for those who have already made those choices, but for anybody who is considering still getting an animal, you need to really research where you're getting that animal from. Don't just. Oh, yeah, that should be like a given. That should be always, always have reviews mm -hmm. or whatever. There's too many dogs out there, too many cats out there that are being bred improperly. And these animals end up being ill and inbred. Yeah, always do your research, people. Yes, always. It's, it's very important. And you should always be able to ask to be able to talk to prior customers. If they're refusing to allow you to talk to previous customers, that is a red flag. Very definitely. Big red flag. 
big red mm-hmm. flag. All right, we can get on soapboxes here. We're going to save you from that right now. Keep your animals. You got them. Take responsibility. So what are the other challenges that may come up for people who have had animals prior mm-hmm. before all of this happened? What are some of the challenges now? Well, obviously, some people have lost their jobs as a result of this, and this mm. can cause financial challenges for them. So they may have been able to take care of their animals in the best way they could financially prior to this, but now they're finding they're, they're really crunched for how much they're able to spend on them. And unfortunately, this has meant reduced visits to the vet. So not getting situations looked at in a timely manner and trying to maybe get guidance from Facebook groups or from family and friends friends. that don't have animals. (laughs) So basically from people who are not qualified Qualified. to to give advice. And I could go onto a soapbox on that too, but we'll <laughs> keep that on that. No, there's, there are a lot of <laughs> hidden soapboxes in here. We're, we're, we're protecting you people. <laughs> we're all about the animals here. So uh, we got to reduce visits to that. I get yes. that. I mean, I get that. I don't think it's right, but I do get it. I understand that vets are expensive and I wish one day vets realize they don't have to charge these ungodly prices Mm -hmm. or allow people to pay, you know, what they can or whatever. I don't know. But that I mean, that is an issue. So I do I do understand the reduced visits. But if you're paying attention to your animal and you see something off, you find a way. Mm find a way. And again, we've said this before, this is a great time to create a journal for your animals so that you can monitor them. And then that will help you to catch if something is going off early rather than later, Mm -hmm. because any treatment that might be required is going to cost a lot less if you catch the issue early than if you catch it when it's already become fairly serious. Yeah, that makes sense. So another issue is that people might be eliminating or reducing medications that the animal is on and telling Mm -hmm. themselves that they can't afford it (laughs) or even worse. Well, I don't know if it's worse, but equally as bad is that there's places like Amazon that will sell medications that are supposedly the same at a much cheaper price. I know I've heard of issues where the quality of these medications are not at all the same of what it is they're getting. And they could be being made from companies who don't care about anything and be putting other stuff in there that could be harmful. So you really need to be careful where you are getting medications from. Don't just go get it from anywhere just because it's cheap. You could be really harming your animal. Or even yourself, if you're doing it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, you can be putting stuff in chemicals that have no place to be anywhere near a mammal of any sort. They're made by people who don't care. Just like Miranda said, they're made in countries that don't care. They're made in order just to make money. They're probably just sugar. I mean, seriously, there's like a lot of people out there, even on Amazon, there's a lot of people out there trying to make money with really bad products. Mm -hmm. 
So make sure even if you are on things like Amazon, make sure you look to who the seller is and then you research the seller. You can do that. Mm -hmm. You can do that. Always research everything. Research, 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 (laughs) research. I can't say it enough. You need to do your research. And just to add to that is that you don't necessarily have to get medications from your veterinarian. There are other pharmaceutical sources that you might be able to get at a cheaper rate. I know that we have, where I live, we have a pharmacy that is specific for for animals and you can get medications there at a reduced price compared to at the vet clinics. Yeah. Yeah. So what else? What are some of the other things? I mean, I know there's a, there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of challenges when you don't have money. There's a lot of challenges. So what are some of the other ones? Well, people might choose to provide a lower quality food or treats or buy poor quality supplies for their animals in order to, to save money. The supplies you might be able to get away with depending on what kind of supply it is. But sometimes if it's with the type of supply it is, it could end up causing a safety issue if you get something that is not good quality. And then with food, you're not going to necessarily notice a problem right away. But when you start feeding poor quality food to your animal, that is going to cause health issues down, down the line. So you might be saving money up front, but you might be spending thousands more <laughs> or, or, or possibly losing your animal, depending on what kind of health issue they yeah. develop. And some people may have also chosen to surrender or abandon their animal due to the cost of caring for them. And this is, again, something that you really need to think about before you even get an animal. It's like, try to think in the future and what happens, you know, if this situation happens or if that situation happens, how am I going to handle this with my animal? How am I going to be able to continue caring for them and maintaining that commitment I made to them, even though these situations might occur. Yeah, it's the same thought process you have before you have a child. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about these things. Animals are not throwaway toys. They're not entertainment for us. They're living, breathing, sentient beings that need to be taken care of. If you take the responsibility, you need to follow that responsibility to the end of that animal's life. Mm -hmm. And I don't even care if you need to find another place to live. You don't move into a place that doesn't accept animals. You just don't put your animals first. All right, I'm getting on a soapbox and I'm going to get down because it bothers me when people do that. Don't surrender or abandon your animals because of your selfishness. And I'm not saying that lightly and I'm not saying that harshly. I'm just saying it in general. If you need to find a home, if you got kicked out, there are places that will allow you to have an animal. You do not need to surrender your animal because you can't. I'm okay. I'm getting down. I can go off. I'm going to go off on a tangent and I don't want to. So I'm going to get down. Step down. And if you absolutely feel there is no way whatsoever that you can continue caring for this animal, you've looked at all your options and you just absolutely feel you cannot continue caring for your animal. Make sure that you evaluate who this animal is going to. It's your responsibility to make sure that they are going to a good home. Don't rely on somebody else. It's your responsibility to make sure of that. 
And don't just bring them to a shelter because some of those shelters will kill your dog or kill your cat just because they don't have room. Mm-hmm. So if you loved your animal at any point in that time period, you need to evaluate every aspect of it, every mm-hmm. aspect. Another thing that is happening and this, there's kind of two reasons why this could be happening. One could be cost and one could be time or availability. And that's choosing not to spay or neuter your animals. I know that with the vets, they don't have the availability that they had before. There seems to be more of a waiting list to be able to have these elective type surgeries done. Mm -hmm. So it can take longer to get it done. And I know that that's causing an issue. And I'm not, at this point, I don't know what the best solution is for that. But you can still get your animals spayed or neutered even when they're older. But if you aren't, a, if you're not able to get it done because of the lack of availability of your vet clinic, then you need to make sure your animals are not in situations where they could impregnate a female. There is already an issue with population. It's irresponsible to contribute to it even more. And more animals means more money. Yes. So put the money up first so you can save. We, we need to really work on the population problem. Mm-hmm. And you only can do that by spaying and neutering your animal. And if you have a situation like myself, I have a male and a female. If you can't afford to do both, then get the male done because it's a cheaper surgery. It's an easier surgery. There's less down, downtime than with the female. But at least do something. Mm-hmm. At least do something. And don't let your females roam. Period. Yeah. Period. I don't care if dog or cat. Just don't. Mm-hmm. And if you think that, you know, your cats or your dogs who are siblings are not going to do anything together, you will be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will be wrong. <laughs> In the animal world, that is the thing. I mean, yes, if they inbreed over and over and over again, you might have a problem, but it is natural for close blood relatives to mate with each other in the animal world. So it will happen. I've seen it happen. It will happen. What is the last thing we want to talk about for this portion of the show? Well, some additional challenges that are occurring. We kind of talked about this early on, but people having a fear of the spread of the virus from animals. And if you didn't hear the last episode, there is a really low risk of that happening, but there are precautions that you can take and you can listen to a previous show to hear what those precautions are. But this fear could be causing people to surrender their animal because they're afraid of getting sick. They could be afraid of taking their dogs for walks. It's okay to take them outside. You just need to keep them distance from other people and other animals. Yeah. Don't surrender them. Come on, people. No. Again, not a thing. So low of a risk. There's no need to surrender your animal. Mm -hmm. And if they do get sick, the chances of you getting the virus for them is also very low. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Also, don't be afraid to interact with your animals because you're afraid that you or they are going to pass this virus. Now, if they have been exposed to the virus or you have, there is that low risk 
You still need to take precautions. You yes. still need to use the gloves and the masks and stuff like that. Yes. Just be smart. Yes. Be, be smart. So it doesn't mean just to ignore your animal and not have any interaction with them because you're going to have additional problems if you do that. This is partly, I think, from a fear of the spread as well as part of the protocol that has been put in place as well is lack of socialization. And this can be for all animals, especially dogs. They need to be able to socialize and it really helps them to be able to socialize with other dogs. But this is especially important for for new puppies and even kittens. Surprisingly, kittens are not as solitary as, as we might think. If they are able to interact with other cats when they're young, then they're more likely to be more social as adults. But it it also depends partially on personality as well. And if you can't have your cats socialize with other cats, say you only got one kitten, then you need to be that social stimulus to them. You need to show them how to interact with other beings and that other being is going to be you Mm -hmm. the more they spend time with you the more social they will be i've said it before i will say it till them blue in the face cats do not need to just do their own thing that's not real we think that so we do that they are social creatures just like dogs They're just not always going to have to be in your face, but they have to be around their humans. Right. So the last thing is behavior issues, which is kind of connected to the other, some of the other ones that we mentioned. So if you have a fear of the spread and you're not interacting with, with your animals very much, or you're not taking them for walks, then you're increasing the chances of your dogs being bored, both physically, mentally, and just not getting that engagement. And they could end up having more behavior issues. And then also you're probably not going to be training them either if you're in this mindset. So you're going to end up with more more problems because you're more likely to end up with them barking or causing damage to the home in some way, or maybe even doing things like urinating or going to the bathroom inside. So there's different behavior things that could end up happening as, as a result. So you need to really be aware of any fear that you have and how you're relating to your animal and realize that you don't need to have this fear and that you do need to engage with them in an appropriate way. A bored, lonely animal will act out. Mm -hmm. A bored animal is a naughty animal. (laughs) It's just what they are. They're like three-year-olds. So they will find something to entertain themselves. And that may not always be good for us. Yes. <laughs> or the home or whatever. <laughs> but I would also like to clarify that we might view them as naughty, but they don't think of themselves as naughty. They're just doing. No, what, they don't. They just are doing what they, they know to do. And, and it's also a form of communication. They're, they're giving us a message. So we need to listen to them and pay attention to what they're telling us. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So we're going to start talking some juicy stuff now. <laughs> Not really, but legal preparations. What the heck is that, Miranda? <laughs> and why don't we hear much about it? Well, this is something that I found out about recently, and I it just spoke to me so strongly. It's something every pet owner, pet guardian, pet parent needs to know. 
especially if you really love your pets and you want to make sure Mm -hmm. that they're getting taken care of. If something happens to you in, in relation to the virus, or it could be anything, but in this case, we're just referring to the virus. So if you ended up in the hospital because you got that sick, or hopefully it doesn't happen, but you ended up passing away from it. If something were like this were to happen, what do you think will happen to your pet? I'm afraid to think of that. And I'm sure all of you out there is afraid to think of that too. I mean, yeah, some of us may have really supportive families that might take over care, but you don't know about that. So how can we, how can we work with that situation? What do we need to do? How do we mitigate the, the downfalls of what could happen if we don't set things in place? Well, the first thing that is important to be aware of is that the law views animals as property. So as much as that might really eat you, (laughs) that's not really the way. (laughs) But But, yeah, I get it. I get it. No, like, I mean, that does, it kind of does eat at you. You know what? It does eat at you on the inside when you think about my animal is property. Now, there are some people who do believe that and we're hoping to change that. Mm -hmm. So keep listening to us Um, anyway. But (laughs) but there that whole idea of property. I mean, this is like they're going to treat your animal like they would a set of China or that piece of furniture that's falling apart. They're just going to treat it like a piece of an inanimate thing. Mm And oh, that burns me and it does eat at me. But it's the truth. It's the truth. We got to work with that. Mm -hmm. So how do we work with that? So you really need to put something in place. I mean, it's great to ask friends or family to see if they will agree to look after your animal. The thing is, is after you're gone, they might no longer honor that agreement that they made for whatever reason might come up. Mm -hmm. If you have an animal and the people you've asked refuse to look after them and there hasn't been any other arrangement put in place, then your animal could either end up just being left as a stray to run outside, depending on who's dealing with the situation, or could end up at the shelter and just being euthanized. Makes me sad, Mm -hmm. but it is the reality. Because of the fact that they're viewed as property, it means you cannot will any money or property to them because you can't will money to property and you can't will property to property. Mm -hmm. So this means you can't just put in your will that I'm going to give $10,000 or whatever to the care of Fluffy. That's not going to be honored. There are different options that you can consider, and I'm not going to go into the details of that right now, but the important thing is you need to talk to a lawyer because the legal aspects can vary depending on where it is you live. Some options are honored in some places and some options are not honored in other places. Yeah, I think it all depends on your state or province laws. Exactly. Yeah. The one important thing, though, that you want to do is to create a pet dossier. So what this is, is that it includes everything about your pet, their medical information, their veterinary contact information, what medicines they are on and how they are given, what food they are given and their frequency and stuff like that. What is their routine? What 
any quirks or anything like that that they might have. You know, so this very detailed information that gets put in there because in the hopes that you actually do find somebody who's able to take care of your animal, you can be able to communicate to them, this is how the animal needs to be taken care of. This is the important information you need to have. Okay. That makes sense. Just don't leave it until something suddenly happens. If you already have a will, particularly, but even if you don't, talk to a lawyer, find out what what the protocol is and what is going to be the best option for you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I know it sounds like something, oh, I've never heard that before, but you know what? We need as humans, we need to look at these things. There are many of us that don't have living wills, don't have any documentation on what to do when we're dead or when we pass or when we transition, just in general, not even just because of the pandemic. And we need to put things in place. It should be normal to put things in place, not just for the wealthy. You know, the wealthy always put things in place. But you know what? You have a life, you have assets, you have property, you have animals, and you have family. Even if it's just one person, a distant cousin or something, There is something that we all have and putting things in place. It just makes perfect sense. It just makes perfect sense. And we cannot forget our animals. Mm -hmm. Just can't because they'll just end up dead somewhere. That's not good for them. Mm -hmm. So that was my, that's not my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) Now we talked about the different reasons why people might be getting a pet during this, during this pandemic, this crisis. But we also kind of went into a little bit about what the effect of using these animals for our benefit to fill the void that we are feeling. But there are some questions that, that you really need to consider. Yes, yeah, called the animal. Consider the animal's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> you must consider the animal. How is this affecting them? Are you using them as a tool to quench your solace? Because that's not good for the animal. The animal may love you, but if you're just using it, it's a one, it's only a one-way street. There's not a connection that animal's not gonna, it's it's gonna be basically loving you in vain because you're only using it to fill a void. Mm -hmm. That's not good for the animal. The animal needs connection and needs relationships. We all need that. It's not just about you. It's about them too. So take the animal into consideration. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. And did you truly desire to, to give them a home, to give them their forever home? Did that cross your mind at all? If the only thing you thought about was what you were going to get from it, then that is wrong (laughs) (laughs) I want I want to say selfish but at the same time I'm like well you know I understand why people are doing that yeah but I just really hope that you also thought about how you're benefiting the animal as well and not just yeah I think the key words would be forever home yes were you planning on giving them a forever home that's important it is not a home for now Mm mm-hmm It is a forever home. 
once we actually get back to some new normal, particularly with the work front, mm-hmm. but even even if it's not that, when we're just going back to our regular everyday kind of activities and that which could end up causing us to not be as home, at home as often, have you thought about how that could affect your animal? Because they've gotten used to you being home all the time. They've gotten used to spending all of this time with you. So how are they going to react when that is not the case anymore? Or if you're not able to, to do that anymore? Yeah, I'm sensing they'll probably end up being a lot of animals with separation anxiety. Quite likely. And how much time are they going to end up being alone? How will they adjust to being alone, being left alone for longer periods of time? So that kind of goes together with the other question, especially with with dogs because of them being social animals. That is going to affect them a lot more, but cats are going to feel it as well, as well as any other type of pet that you might have if they're used to having that interaction with you. Yeah, I've seen it with my own cats. They don't like it when we leave the house. They're, they love us being here. And I believe if you have a relationship with your cat, it's going to be the same thing for them too. Mm-hmm. These animals have emotions. They have feelings. They're not just toys that breathe and eat and poop. They are living, breathing, feeling, emotional creatures. You need to consider them. Mm -hmm. Now with commitment, you may have considered that, oh, well, I'm home all the time. It's like I can make sure that I'm giving them lots of attention and love and exercise and all this type of thing. But are you willing to commit the time that is needed to continue taking care of them properly once you are back to a regular schedule? That's a good question to ask. And are you still going to be willing to provide the care for them for their entire lifetime, even if you happen to realize they are no longer fitting your lifestyle? Because maybe they fit the lifestyle you had when you got them, but when things shift and go back to a different schedule... Is the, are they going to still fit your lifestyle and are you still going to maintain your commitment to them? These are very important questions. So I hope you guys are taking notes because these are really, really important, really important questions. Mm-hmm. So how else can we help these animals if and when our lives have to transition back to our new normal? Are there tips and tricks that they can try? I think the key thing is if you know, because hopefully you know at least a few months ahead of time. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're... Hopefully they don't just lay it on you and say, nope, you're going to work tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even if you don't know, this is still something you can start preparing them for. Start to leave them alone for short periods of time, for two to three hours, maybe even just an hour to start with, just to get them to start getting them used to you not being there all the time. Now, depends on maybe how many people are living in your household. If there's 
more than one person, then maybe there's always, always somebody at home with the animal. But if you're a single person, chances are you're going to be gone for periods of time to at least go get some groceries or something like that. Yeah. So unless you order it online, but just start leaving them alone for, for short periods and get them used to it. And you really want to avoid coddling them. So if you start to leave and they start to make a big fuss, you want to avoid going, oh, it's okay. I'm going to be back soon, you know, and doing and, you know, giving them lots of attention and stuff like that, because you're basically yeah. encouraging that response and that behavior. Better- oh, yeah, that'll <laughs> definitely do it. Yes. <laughs> so it's better to just you know you can still say something to them and saying, oh, you know, Fluffy, I'm going to the grocery store. See you in a bit. And then just leave and leave it at that. I always say things like I'm going to work. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm not going to work, I'll be like, going to work. I'll be back. Going Mm -hmm. to work. And they eventually associate those words with, okay, mom or dad is leaving for a little bit, but they'll be back. Right. And they get used to that because the animals associate. They may not have the same word vocabulary that we do, but they do learn certain words. They do associate behaviors and phrases with results. Mm -hmm. And another thing you could do, particularly with dogs, if you use a kennel or a crate for them, kennels and crates should not be used as punishment. It should be used as a place that they can go and feel safe in. Yes, definitely. So if you've got this established already with them, then you can maybe have some kind of a a routine that you set up that you give them something that has maybe kind of like a calming benefit for them that you could put in the the kennel or the crate for them and that they can associate with it when you go. So it has a positive effect. And even if you haven't kennel trained or created them, that's something you can also start ahead of time. Because you don't necessarily want to have your animal in a a kennel or a crate for eight to 10 hours, if you're going to be gone that long. That's a long time to be left alone. But at least and if they're not in one, then at least they have a chance to move around and they can maybe play with some toy if it's safe enough for them to do so without supervision. Yeah, make sure the crate is big enough too. Yes. They should be able to stand up and turn around and, you know, play or whatever without feeling closed in. Exactly. You can also create a schedule for them. So if you are going to leave for periods of time, instead of maybe having random times every day that they're really, you know, leaves them feeling kind of uncertain of what's going on, you can maybe say, okay, from two to three o'clock or two to four o'clock or something like that, you go and you do something for a couple of hours and you come back and then they start to get familiar with this routine. Animals really love familiarity. Yes, they do. But I also want to add that if you are going to go back to work and you're going to have time where the animal is going to be by itself, we bring up crates and kennels because it actually is safer for the animal when you are away. Because if you just let your animal roam the house for six hours while you're at work, they're going to find something to do. And you're going to come home with pillows ripped up or, or whatever. So if you do not have a crate 
I would recommend, and Miranda, tell me if you if you agree that they go into one room. Like they don't have free reign of an apartment or they don't have free reign of a house. Mm-hmm. That they go into one room where they can feel safe, mm-hmm. not get into trouble, and not accidentally ingest something because they're ripping something up. Because mm-hmm. if you come yes. home six hours and you got a, cat, a dog or a cat with a major obstruction, you know, that's not what you want to do. The, you want them to be safe. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a crate or a kennel, maybe just make their space smaller Mm -hmm. where they can stay while you're out doing your thing. You don't want them to have free reign over the house. Yes. Because that's going to be a problem. And if you do have a crate or a kennel, it's better to put it in a location that is dark and quiet. Don't put it in the middle of the living room where they're going to be able to necessarily hear all the stuff that's going on outside or different noises and that that could end up causing them to start barking or things like that yeah put it in a in a quiet place it doesn't mean like put them right in the basement but a living room is general or not a living room (laughs) a bedroom is or a laundry room is generally a good fairly good option what I've always done with my crates and my cages I put blankets over the top so it's not so open and it does have a little bit of a cave effect mm, that's which a good option. also help yeah which also helps with their anxiety levels mm-hmm. because animals tend to be a little bit quieter when they're in darker areas mm-hmm. don't put it next to a window and allow all the birds and everything or you're gonna have bark and all over the place but having a crate or a kennel that has a a, a sheet or a blanket over it will also give that sense of security and comfort. So it may help with the, the anxiety and also will absorb, will absorb the sound if they do bark. Just a couple of little things. And I've noticed my animals love it. They love having blankets over the crates. The cage that my cats live in, there's a mm-hmm. big old blanket over it. And they love sitting up at the top shelf where it's like all dark and cave-like. Mm-hmm. They just love it. And hopefully if you are do end up having to work outside the home or everybody is going to be outside of the home for eight hours or more that somebody will be able to come home somewhere during the midday to let your dog out. Good point. Because it's really hard for them to hold the bladder for that long. Oh yeah, it totally is. I mean, they can do it when they're older, but not when they're younger. Should they have to? No. I mean, they should have that time. We as humans, how many times do we use the bathroom a day? Hmm. I mean, yes, we're not expected to hold it for 12 hours. You know, (laughs) why should we allow that? Uh, Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Having somebody come in, um, whether it's a pet sitter or not. And that actually transitions into the last topic that I think we should talk about as we get into the newer normal. There are going to be other facilities that will start opening like doggy daycares, pet sitters, the dog walkers, all of those, as we become safer, these things are going to open. So once you get back to work, don't be afraid of trying something like that because a daycare, doggy daycare will give a dog socialization. And that might be something that you can do as you're trying to transition them. Bring him to the daycare for like an hour or two a day. Mm -hmm. Let him get used to it. 
So if when they have to be there for three or four hours, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. These things, as we become safer, as more people get vaccinated, as the world starts to open up, these facilities and these options for you will also open up. Mm-hmm. If you are in a place where these things are safe and they're taking their protocols, utilize them because it's about your animals. It really is about their comfort, their emotional state, because we all know as humans, how many of us, raise your hands, how many of us have pandemic fatigue? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I think I'm seeing like a few hundred million people out there, <laughs> maybe even closer to a billion in our in our uh, international friends. But yeah, I mean, we all have this fatigue. The animals are going to have the fatigue too. Mm-hmm. As we transition into our new normal, they have to transition to their new normal. And they are going to probably struggle more with going back to the new normal than we are. Especially if they never had that new normal to begin with. <laughs> exactly. Like my cats. Oh my gosh. I hope that I can stay working from home because I've only had them for a year and a half. They only know us being home. So I have no idea how that's going to work. These animals, like I said earlier, they are emotional feeling creatures and they're going to have a hard time letting go of you when you go back to work. So you have to honor them and you need to respect them and do what is best for them. So find the things that are going to make the transition easier for your animal and put the time in to transition the animal. Even if you're not going to work yet, but you know you're going to be going back to work in a month, start now. Mm -hmm. It's important. It's important. It's not about you. It's about them. And this whole series, this whole COVID series is all about giving you information to help make the life of your animal better and to help your relationship with your animal improve. Mm -hmm. You need to lean into that. Just saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You need to to lean into that. These animals need you. Mm -hmm. They need you forever home, forever love. They give it to you unconditionally. You need to give it back to them. Yes. And that is, that's my final thought for the evening. (laughs) (laughs) So do we have any final thoughts before we close for today? Well, I just want to add that if you do consider any of the daycares, pet sitters, or dog walkers, do your research. We talked about it in another show, but uh, all of those are not regulated. So you really need to do your own due diligence to make sure that you, the business that you are hiring is appropriate and is going to take care of your animal the way you want them to take care of them. Yep. Research, research, research. That is the word of the day. That's <laughs> <laughs> the word of the day. Research. And then also forever home. I think yes. those are the two, <laughs> those are the two takeaways for today. So I hope you all got some great information. I hope this helps you. And I hope we're helping your animals live better lives. That's our goal here. That is our goal here. If you have any questions or you want to join our Facebook community, 
come on over. It's called the Animal Files Community. You'll have access to us. You can ask us questions. You can give us topics. And we will do everything we can to help you and your animal have a happy, healthy, and thriving life. Have a great week. And we will see you. Bye. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.